Hey listeners, welcome to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We're that podcast that talks about horror movies. And uh, past, present, future. This one's way in the past. What year is this one? 57? 56. 56. Um, we're going to be talking about Forbidden Planet. But we're also probably making you wonder why are we talking about Forbidden Planet? Because, <laughs> hey, wait a minute, isn't that sci-fi? Well, we're going to address that. We're going to talk about horror, not horror, before we get into it. But first, thank you to the Moonrays for giving us intro creature features at the top of the show. That song that you hear still going behind us right now. Um, you can find them on Amazon or iTunes if you want to buy their music digitally. And you can say hi to them on Facebook where they are, the Moon-Rays. And um, that, that tune is, not, is from a horror, not horror Really, it is, isn't it? Um, experiment in Terror. Yes. What is, I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, it was good. Oh, I'll have to check it out. It's a Henry Mancini theme. Yeah. That, uh, of course, they've made it uh, different with the narration at the beginning, which was the intro to the Creature Features uh, show in Chicago back in the 70s when I was a small child. Mm-hmm. I think it was a Blake Edwards movie. That makes sense. Henry Mancini and Blake Edwards. That's kind of like, uh, I don't know, Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Um, you should have said Danny Elfman. Yeah, da- yeah, yeah, Danny Elfman, duh. And Tim Burton. Yeah. I think Tim Burton's more in love with Johnny Depp than he is Danny Elfman. Yeah, but I was going more music guy, uh, director. Not, not as much who has a crush composer, on Composer, director. <laughs> Yeah. Not not man crushes? No. Okay. So music, yeah, that's more important. Um, so uh, we're your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Will. Hello. And Jolien. Good evening. We're going to talk about horror, not horror. Uh, so I made a short list. We'll talk about that. Should we talk about what we watched since last time? Sure. Let's get that out of the way. Will, what'd you do? Uh, I've what'd been you watch? watching the show called Loch Ness. Loch Ness. Uh, yeah, which is on Amazon. It's a crime show. It's pretty good. It has nothing good to do with mystery. the monster? It has nothing to do with the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> Although there is a guy whose job is he takes tour boats out. And he spent all this money on a camera. So is it, was it Amazon Women on the Moon where they had Henry Silver doing the yes. like, kind of Leonard Nimoy TV series? Mm-hmm. And it's like Nessie is the... The Ripper. Is The Ripper, yeah. Right. I can't remember what that show was called. Yeah. Truth or... Truth or Bullshit yeah. or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. So it's, the TV series isn't about Nessie stalking all. the foggy streets of London? No. No. Oh, I'm no, not watching that. No monster at all. How do you call something Loch Ness and not understand you're implying a monster to 99% of would-be viewers? I know. What can you do? <laughs> right? Um, that's all that I've watched since how, how far Sunday. Are, how many episodes in are you? Uh, it comes out every week. We're four episodes in. I oh. think we have two more left. And then you've caught up. And then it'll, yeah. I imagine there's six episodes being from the BBC. Mm-hmm. Six or eight. Yeah. There's some national law against doing more than eight episodes of anything, right? 
<laughs> then the bobbies come and kick your door down. Oh, we just get tired, you know. I think <laughs> we, they we get uh, so little vitamin D. <laughs> that's true. Huh? Yeah. Uh, We've got to shoot while the sun's out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All three hours of sunlight, yeah. which is mostly obscured by clouds. And then we just go back in our hobbit holes. And... So what have you watched, Julian? Well, I was, I, um, I was, I was just going to say my my dad got an offer to go and work at Loch Ness for a while and. Really? Because there's this paper mill out there. Ah. Uh, but he didn't want to go because it had this reputation. And it wasn't quite haunted by Nessie, but um, it was just so out out of the way that people just got really lonely and yeah went crazy. And if That's bad hard. things happened, you're just out of luck. Oh, yeah. Just too remote. You get, you get dumped in the lock and never seen Forgotten again. Forgotten about. Yep. Yep. Yep, that happens to someone on the show. <laughs> someone's been dumped in the lock and someone with a boat finds them not yet <laughs> yet uh. um i think it's blake edwards again who uh he, he did this movie called private life of sherlock holmes uh-huh which is quite fun it ends up at Loch Ness. yeah it's been a long time since i've seen that movie. But they, they built this uh creature for it which became so waterlogged it sank and they just abandoned it and then uh, like a year or so again it, it they're came like up. scanning the lock for stuff and they found this monster sheep <laughs> and it was this i remember that in the movie yeah yeah those pictures popped up yeah did you see the thing in the news recently like um uh, oh there's this picture that's clearly amelia Earhart and her navigator yeah what? it could be somebody at the end of this dock yeah that's her with her back to you yeah, and here's this dude who's mostly, like, obscured by other people. And a pole. Yeah. His yeah, face yeah. is obscured by a pole, but you can tell by his hair. Yeah, so so some experts, uh, you know, tried to figure it all out. And some experts said, oh, it's definitely them. And another expert said it really likely wasn't. And then someone else was like, I've seen that photo before. Mm. Uh, yeah, so here it is published two years before she took that flight. Oh. So, enough already. Wow, yeah. so it was a, a camera from the future? Yes, yeah. it was a photo but from the future. It fell out of the Bermuda Triangle into which she was sucked from across the Pacific. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I understand now. You get to the bottom of it if you just start applying logic and reasoning. Mm-hmm. So... What did you so you you finished uh, okay so, so tell us about Gumby first of all how all right. did that go so I finished up doing three issues of Gumby oh my back to back wow so you love Gumby now I assume he is fun to draw um, yeah um, so I'll probably be back on him again tomorrow but took the rest of the day off and got a bunch of movies <laughs> oh. tell the listeners where they could find a hard copy of the Gumby comic if uh, they want to yeah, see the, work so the first issue just came out uh, last Wednesday uh, so it's got Rick Geary cover and he did uh, the short story in it and he did this really he does this um, technique where he takes out there's no lines in it it's all sort of blocks of colour oh okay it looks very nice um, but he, he drew the Gumby series before yeah um, and apparently they're going to get guest artists in to do the the short five page stories, and uh, I'm the workhorse. He does the the majority of the, the book. twenty other pages. Ah. So uh, yeah, the third issue is where um, in the first one I did, he he becomes a punk rocker. Okay. 
and then the second issue he gets he gets taken on this like a fake trip to Hawaii with his grandmother and didn't even know Gumby had I mean oh by the way spoilers everyone spoilers on there's the no book. spoiler there <laughs> <laughs> no but, um yeah he's he's fun to do because he's you know if if you like cartooning you know you've got this character who's like the ultimate flexible yeah character you just he's gotta got no bones have a proportion of his his eyes to the lump on his head to make him recognizable and the rest oh, okay. is you know take it where you like but um yeah, yeah, he and Ronald Reagan had the same haircut. <laughs> I always thought the same thing. That, that yeah, that big lump on the head. Uh huh. So, yeah, yeah, he's got a grandmother. There's, yeah. there's a couple of grand characters in it. That's cool. But they keep turning up all these characters I've never seen before because the the main guy is writing it is just this Gumby nut. Uh, so you know, there's all these characters I've never heard of before. I never watched the series, but... Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's good to have somebody who's crazy about it writing the stories. That's how Maybe. it should be. Now, yeah. do, they, do they understand that you know <laughs> what the hell you're talking about when it comes to punk rock? Well, yeah, that was the fun one to do, because I just, I just did all these Gumby parodies of classic punk yeah. images, posters and things. That's what you got to do. Um, so, yeah, I got as many of them in there as I could. Awesome. It took ages to do, but it was fun. Cool. So then you got a break. What did you do? What did you watch? Uh, all right. Well, I'm about halfway through the Funhouse Massacre, where uh, there's like uh, five inmates of an asylum mm-hmm. in Macon County get busted out by this Harley Quinn sort of character. Yeah. Who's also a killer, which calls herself Stitch Face. But, um, and then they... They go to a local haunt, which is themed around them. So okay. they each have rooms built for them. So like one's a killer dentist, you know, one's a taxidermist played by Clint Howard. Um, oh, the, the asylum keeper is played by Robert England. Ah. But uh, yeah, there's lots of really broad humor and goofy stuff. And, um, and it has, if, if anyone misses Children of the Corn... It's got Courtney Gaines who played Malachi. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the red-haired guy. Right. So yeah, um, it's um, it's quite fun. Set on Halloween. If you need another Halloween set movie to watch. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna really steamroll everybody with our what to watch in October. <laughs> um, yeah, I watched the uh, the other movie called The Boy. Uh-huh. So you watch the one with the, the doll, right? Yeah, and the girl from The Walking Dead. So there's another one called The Boy from 2015. Yeah. Have you heard of that one? No. So this is like an early, you know, childhood of a serial killer. Oh. Sort of movie where you've got this kid who's at this run-down motel out in the desert. And, uh, you know, he, he's uh, he's into roadkill and stuff like that. And yeah. Uh, Sounds like any normal desert upbringing. Yeah, yeah, usual motel in the desert. Yeah, I mean... Antics. How old were you when you did your first murder, Will? Oh, jeez. Eleven? can remember. Ten or eleven? Easily. Yeah. That young. Well, you live in the desert. You You live in the desert, and I lived in a hotel. A run-down hotel. Not really. Dust and tumbleweeds. (laughs) Dust and tumbleweeds. (laughs) 
My aunt and uncle went to a motel once in Arizona that the swimming pool had been filled in with sand. Oh, my. <laughs> what were they thinking? I have no idea. They just, like, they, they've said that was, you know, like, just icing on the cake. You could tell that the whole town was weird and that maybe the pool full of sand was, you know... Hiding secrets. Hiding secrets, yeah. You maybe you just don't ask about those things yeah. and check out early the next day. <laughs> right. Double lock the door. Sleep with one eye open. Yeah, you, you don't want to end up in the pool of sand. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Nothing's nothing says we're hiding something or we've given up completely. <laughs> like a swimming pool full of sand. So now you've got into sandman in my head. Oh good. <laughs> Sleep with one eye open. Uh, Pool full of sand. Yeah. Pool full of sand. So yeah. With one eye open. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, um, also, yeah. So the boy is part of a kids and roadkill double bill uh, with uh, Ladybug, Ladybug, which is a nuclear fear movie from 1963 hmm. uh, by Eleanor and Frank Perry, who then did The Swimmer, which is great. Um, you know the one with. Uh-uh. Don't know that one. One with the. Uh, Burt Lancaster, and he lives in L.A. or somewhere where, like, everyone's got a pool, mm-hmm. and he decides that he's going to go like several miles back to his house via everyone's pools. Oh, okay. But in the, it's kind of um, it's like a spiritual journey to it because every pool he goes to, there's some aspect of his failures in his life. Huh. Wow. And uh, and then it builds up to where uh, he meets this this woman he used to know. Wow, never heard of this film. It's, it's good. It sounds good. Um, yep. Yeah, um, anyway, yeah. So this, this one's based on an actual incident from um, when you know when sirens are going off in schools and the kids mm-hmm. kids will be ducking and covering. Yeah, and then a bunch of kids end up in a shelter. Um, and uh, a tragedy ensues. But, uh, yeah, that, that was quite interesting. Um, and also watched uh, La La Land. How okay. was that? Uh, it's great looking. Yeah. Like fake Technicolor? Yeah. Uh, the colors, the camera work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really dazzling sometimes. Yeah. Um, I wish more horror movies looked that, <laughs> you know, removed from everyday reality you know yeah just, uh it, it's just it's mostly actual locations but filmed as if it was stage sets right so it's all very theatrical lighting and, uh, yeah very nice and very uh, you know adorable leads it's emma stone and ryan gosling yeah and um uh but it, it's another hollywood movie celebrating itself yeah and um it's uh, it makes kind of explicit nods to this movie called Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Have you heard that? Never heard of that. It's a Jacques Demy film from the '60s with Catherine Deneuve. Oh, and mm-hmm. everything's sung in the movie. Oh, uh, and it's you know, and the the colors are really bumped up and everything. But as opposed to La La Land, there's big stakes. You know, people can the characters can die in this this movie. You know, set during the troubles in Algiers. Right. Mm. You know, the, the, breakdown of the french occupation and and uh as opposed to la la land where the like the the terrible fate if they don't succeed is 
or they might be a barista or they might um you know they might have to go home to nebraska or something like that you know there's, there's not that much at stake or or the the aspiring jazz musician might have to go on tour with john legend you know, oh, it's just no. like, you know the, it's the actual drama of it isn't that yeah there's, there's definitely some dull spots but so so the uh the absolute bottom of the barrel for them would be uh, a normal job, like a normal yeah, person. Yeah, be like a normal person, like one of us slobs. Right, right. <laughs> okay. So uh, yeah, you know, it's not that exciting, but uh, I mean, it's great looking. Hmm. All right. Yeah. So, but anyway, I've got a stack more horror movies to watch yeah. if I have time. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. All right. I guess it's up to me to go next. Um. I watched 20th Century Women, and this is a new movie. It's from 2016. Um, it was actually released in January of 2017, according to IMDb. And it's basically a story about a young teen coming up in a... It's not a commune, but it's sort of a communal living household where people are just trying to make ends meet. And he's a young teen, so he's um, trying to learn about the world around him in Southern California in the late 70s. And uh, there's a, a couple of young women that he's uh, he's interested in, inspired by um, getting sort of educated by them. And his mother is an older mom, so she's um, not sure how to connect with him. And that's the basically the long and the short of it. And she's played by Annette Benning, who um, it's nice to see a woman, a, a beautiful woman in Hollywood, aging gracefully, you know, and not getting a bunch of plastic surgery. She looks like she's her age. And um, Billy Crudup is in it. Um, the young, the young teen is Lucas Jade Zuman. He does an excellent job. So that's a that's a good movie to watch. Um, I watched. This is on Netflix. S is for Stanley. I don't know if you've heard of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about this guy uh, Emilio uh, D'Alessandro, who was the personal driver and, in a lot of ways, a personal assistant to Stanley Kubrick. Oh, okay. And if you know Stanley Kubrick was kind of bananas. Um, then these stories are really interesting and really strange. Uh, but he was, he was always, uh, this Emilio guy was always one to just sort of, uh, pay a lot of attention, uh, you know, do the job he's paid to do. And, uh, he held on to a lot of things. So he's got a lot of personal belongings that were, um, you know, certain props or costumes from some of the movies, but uh, he was there for a bunch of uh, Kubrick's movies and he didn't watch any of them for years. And then I guess one time he, I think he had temporarily quit the job. I think it was time to just, you know, go live on a farm. He and his wife were going to get some animals and live on a farm and, uh, you know, just kind of take it easy I guess he found some time to watch the movies and he was like, wow, <laughs> so this is different. Um, and I guess uh, Stanley Kubrick was pleased to hear that he finally watched some of the movies, but he really needed him to come back. So he came back and worked for him uh, up until the end. And I think Eyes Wide Shut was the last one. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he, he was working on that one with him. Um, I also watched, and this one's going to uh, be one you can find on Shudder, you're so cool, Brewster. The story of Fright Night. Uh, this came out last year, and it's an in-depth look at the making of Fright Night, uh, the 1985 original Fright Night, uh, directed by, written and directed by Tom Holland, uh, who 
cares dearly about the horror genre. Doesn't mind being fun and funny with it, but nothing in Fright Night was really meant to be goofy other than the way the characters maybe interact a little bit. But the vampire stuff was gory, scary, real vampire stuff. So you can look at it and say, well, Tom Holland did not betray his beloved genre at all. Uh, and he made a very, um, very crisp, uh, glossy, beautiful looking uh, movie th- that had an original soundtrack through and through. Uh, and it's it's great to give it a rewatch if you haven't. Um, there are a lot of uh, a lot of interviews with uh, like exclusive new interviews with cast and crew. Um, Chris Sarandon, Amanda Bierce, William Ragsdale, um, uh, Stephen Jeffries. And they do these little interstitials uh, with a guy who really pulls it off well. Simon Bamford uh, does a bunch of Peter Vincent stuff to sort of uh, you know, bring all the segments together. Mm-hmm. And uh, at first you're like, well, that's not Roddy McDowell. Was this a different guy who was going to maybe play him or something? And then you just realize it's an actor who's being told to be Peter Vincent, not to be Roddy McDowell. Mm. And um, so it's, it's really, um, it's really cool and really interesting to get all this information about like, how did this all come together? How did it all almost not happen? Uh, A lot of stuff about the special effects behind the scene photos and footage. It's, It's great. So if you at all like Fright Night, or if you necessarily, you know, you don't necessarily have to like it. If you don't even like it that much, you could watch this and it's a good documentary. And that's what I've watched since we did this last. Um, so we're going to talk about horror, not horror. Uh, this has come up a few times um, in just normal conversations with people. Like I used to just think, well, Jaws is just a pissed off shark movie. <laughs> that's not horror. You know, there's no, <laughs> you know, it's, all you got to do to not get eaten by the shark is don't go in the water. How hard is that? You're just saying you're attributing it with human feelings right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm I guess so. It's angry. It's, it's angry. This yeah, time it's, it's personal. Okay, it's hungry. It's a hungry shark mm-hmm. and it's real big. And uh, if you don't want to get eaten by it, don't go in the water. Problem solved. If you don't want to get killed by Freddy Krueger, you have to not sleep. And you can't not sleep. And he will find you and kill you. So... He's supernatural. That's clearly a horror movie, right? So so does it have to have the supernatural? Well, that's a great question. And I think I've had it answered, uh, you know, just by conversations with, you know, other movie fans, other people who aren't necessarily fans of horror, and maybe a couple of uh, experts whose opinions I've looked at and considered. I think as long as you're horrified, <laughs> it's horror. Mm. you know what i mean it's no. <laughs> you don't agree don't think so. okay let me read the um the bit that i got uh okay if you just went to webster's in the old days or wikipedia these days which can be edited by any idiot um, wikipedia says a horror film is a movie that seeks to elicit a physiological reaction such as elevated heartbeat uh using uh, fear and shocking the audience, uh, inspired by literature of authors like Poe, Stoker, Shelley. Uh, the genre has existed for more than a century. The macabre and supernatural are frequent themes. Horror may also overlap with fantasy, supernatural fiction, and thriller genres. Now, um, 
an author, Steve Bennett, said, Horror films often deal with the viewer's nightmares, fears, revulsions, and terror of the unknown. Um, plots within the horror genre often involve the intrusion of an evil force, event, or personage into the everyday world. Prevalent elements include ghosts, extraterrestrials, vampires, werewolves, demons, Satanism, gore, torture, vicious animals, <laughs> evil witches, monsters, zombies, cannibals, psychopaths, uh, vicious witches, evil animals, <laughs> natural or man-made disasters, and serial killers. So man-made cannibals, <laughs> vicious witches, satanic goats, uh, gory monsters. Um, so, what do you guys think? I well, mean, that's, that's that's a bit limited because, like, clearly, there's tons of horror movies that don't aren't are not really that concerned with horrifying you. Okay. What about horrifying the people in the film? Not just because they fail, but there's ones that are played for laughs. What, what do you What do you have in mind? Do you have like a specific example? Um, well, you have, have ones like um, Avant Costello or um, uh, I don't know. Would um, on some of the more recent horror parody things. How about Shaun of the Dead? Yeah. Is that horror I mean, or is that comedy? Are they... It is both. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that, a good horror comedy, it works with the, the scares work and the comedy works. And the timing is so similar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that, yeah. A lot of funny stuff happens in Get Out. And mm-hmm. it doesn't detract from oh, right. the horror of yeah, it all. That's another good one. Yeah. Um, Bride of Frankenstein. Who hasn't laughed at a good decapitation? <laughs> I have. A friend of mine told me that she saw that Chips movie, which apparently ain't good, but that there was Ooh. a decapitation in it. Is it? Uh, really? God, who would have thought some it bad, wasn't good? Some bad guy strings up some wire and decapitates a motorcyclist, I think. One Blimey. of the Chips? Hopefully. Fish or chips? <laughs> Why wasn't there ever a fish and chips crossover? There should have been. And why hasn't my cover band Fish Sticks a Fish <laughs> Sticks cover band <laughs> I would love to ever see, taken off? I would love to see It's that. a glam jam band. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That would be great if... I had a possible million-dollar idea I'm going to give away right here on the show. Mm-hmm. Scare B&B. Oh. Haunted houses cannot advertise that you could go stay, you know. Mm-hmm. They tell you, oh, their house is haunted. You know, you can go stay there. Scare B&B. Scare B&B. Copyright. All right. right. <laughs> All right, so... So going going with this, um, it doesn't have to be supernatural. It doesn't have to be trying to scare you, the audience. What is it supposed to be trying to do to qualify as a horror movie, in your opinion? Uh, I think the emphasis has to be on horrific elements. Okay. So we we might just be witnessing them. We don't have to be getting frightened by them. Well, the the bulk of the story hinges on elements which are horrific. Okay. So even if that's played for laughs, even if it fails to scare you, mm-hmm. mm. so as, as opposed to the story is based on a scientific idea or concept or uh, space fantasy, okay, then that would put it into science fiction. 
um, based on people meeting, falling in love. It's a romance, and you know, it, it, there's like a the the central hinge of the, the plot is something horrible. Okay. So so what are um, so what are your thoughts on this list from AMC? If you don't mind, I'll read ten of them here. Sure. Scariest non-horror movies. This is from AMC.com. So this isn't this isn't our uh, doing. Uh, the first one, Silence of the Lambs. Second one, Seven. Third one, Jaws. Fourth one, A Clockwork Orange. Number five, The Dark Knight. The one with um, Heath Ledger as the Joker. Uh, number six, Pie. Number seven, The Butterfly Effect. Number eight, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Nine, Pinocchio, uh, the animated one from Disney. Uh, number 10, Train Spotting. So, hmm. scariest non horror movies. Would you say any of those are a horror movie? Yeah. I'd say Silence of the Lambs. I would too. It's a uh, horror movie. Silence of the Lambs, as, seven as well and Jaws. as Jaws. Seven and Jaws, yep. Seven and Jaws. Um, um, I'm Pinocchio and, and like Snow White, like Vincent Price says, Snow White was the scariest film he's ever seen. <laughs> I'm not calling it a horror movie, even though it's got a witch in it. Right. Oh, and it. I mean, it, it's the emphasis on, is on the the fantasy and the the. Um, the magical elements. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and she, the when the witch turns up, it gets scary, and you can say the same about a lot of those Disney movies. Right. When when the supernatural gets involved, they did some darn good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Scary stuff. Yeah, their Sleepy Hollow one is amazing. Yeah, so Pinocchio definitely scared kids. And, oh, yeah. Um, Stranger in the Woods and uh, Fantasia and things like that. Good. So as far as this list, we can say that three out of ten are definitely horror movies and they are wrong. Because I think we all agree on uh, Jaws, Silence of the Lambs, and Seven. Or mm-hmm. maybe not. Yeah. Seven's more of a crime yeah, but, but I mean, again, you could is... do the same with Silence of the Lambs yeah. and Seven. I'd say Jaws is definitely a horror movie. Okay. If it kept people out of the water. <laughs> it kept people out of their own damn swimming pool. Yeah. Where, so... where it is literally impossible for mm-hmm. a shark to live for a variety of reasons. <laughs> First of all, chlorine water instead of salt water. Uh, too small. Uh, no way to get in. Uh, nothing to eat. Well, they're coming across the country from pool to pool <laughs> like, across people's backyards like Burt Lancaster. <laughs> studying their failings as they go. Uh-huh. But, um, when, like Dark Knight, like Batman, he, he's, he has horror elements. Well, sure. But the, the emphasis is on superheroics and fighting. I mean, he's definitely had stories which are horror, like uh, the Bernie Wrightson one. and um, You know, he, he himself is derived from pulp horror yeah so did you come up with any I, yeah actually or not horror i did um the, the first ones that i that i finally over the years admitted to myself and to others that are actually horror movies that i had said were not uh for years were jaws and alien mm-hmm. and i found three on this list that i sort of came up with um we talked about Don't Breathe, Green Room, and Hush mm. on this show. Mm-hmm. 
There's nothing supernatural going on in any of those. There's nothing uh, other than what humans do to humans in those movies. Yet they are... I'd say all of those are horror. Yeah, they are. I, I agree. Um, so movies that are horror movies... My list is all movies that are horror movies that don't have any supernatural elements in them. That just have the evil that men do. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, sometimes that women do. Um, Psycho. Mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs and Seven. <laughs> um, I somehow wrote Silence of the Lambs twice. Awesome. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Cannibal Ferox. Devil's Rejects. Um, excuse me. Someone from New Jersey is badly trying to get a hold of me. Um, Chris <clears throat> Christie. Probably. Speaking of horror and the beach being closed. Yeah. Um, Cannibal Holocaust and Cannibal Ferox. Devil's Rejects. House of a Thousand Corpses. Go Rob Zombie. Um, Misery. Stephen King, you know. Come on. Uh, Saw. And You're Next. Uh, those are all horror movies that have nothing supernatural going on. Um, no... Uh, no manipulations of science, um, just people doing awful things, murdering each other. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so. I've got two. Okay, go ahead. Kids. Uh-huh. <laughs> I see what you mean. Kids is a vampire story. They okay. just switched out AIDS with vampirism. Okay. And uh, Tombstone has a... a his, the uh, Doc Holliday character is, seems to be sort of tempted by this woman who I'm not sure, having watched the movie, that anybody else in the movie, any other characters, are really aware of her. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. She becomes kind of this devil-like character. Hmm. Those are two that I've come up with over the years. Have you ever heard that theory that... Uh... In The Big Lebowski, that Donnie is uh, an agreed figment of the imaginations of Walter and the dude. No one, no one else seems to see him or interact with him at all, but the two of them. True, but I don't see that anything else in the movie would support that. I mean, you could do that with a lot of characters, I guess, right. in movies. Okay, lack of... But l- lack of uh, in Tombstone, this, this lady is always offering up Doc Holliday another drink. Huh. Uh, you know, he, she's like he, the bartender in The Shining. Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Whereas Donnie doesn't—he really doesn't do anything. He could be a figment of the imagination, I suppose. Yeah, maybe he's supposedly just Walter's imagination. I don't, and maybe the dude just kind of abides and let, let, lets Walter have this hallucination. Um, yeah. So that's neither here nor there. But okay, so. Um, have you ever kind of denied something being a horror movie and then admitted later to yourself and others that it was? Did you ever do that with Jaws or Alien or? No, those have always been horror. Mm. Julian, any? Uh... I can't think. I can think of movies like, you know, as you were saying with Tombstone, there's these certain characters who are like, they're either just imaginary or supernatural 
but mm-hmm. it's not a horror movie. Yeah. So like, a, so if you think of adaptations of Macbeth, like Throne of Blood, and mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's a witch, there's a ghost. Yeah. But it's not a horror movie. No. And in the language of cinema, sometimes we're being shown something that maybe the main character isn't necessarily hallucinating it. They're just feeling it or thinking about it. Yeah. They're not necessarily like seeing the apparition of their dead father. Yeah. But they're, but, but he, his influence and the feelings he causes are right there. So, you know, we, we don't know because we're watching a movie and it's like they're, they're using what they use to show us and tell us stuff and make us think and feel things. Yeah. So so if, if Macbeth, brought in supernatural defenses to fight his fate. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, and so you had like opposing witches or, or something of, uh, you know, the greater supernatural emphasis and it would be, sure. Uh, it'd be, you know, that would be a horror movie, I think, but yeah, as it is, is, you know, it's, uh, an apparition or three apparitions that, that um, put him on this path. Right. But then they're not seen again. And he might just be seeing, just might just be imagining the ghost of Banquo. And, yeah. Uh, it's not necessarily an actual ghost. Same sort of thing with Hamlet. Yeah, yeah. Is his father really right. talking to him? Yeah. Those ghosts don't listen to him. <laughs> but yeah, I can't think of anything that. I would have considered uh, not a horror movie. I can't. Yeah, it all seems kind of clear when when we um, first sort of consume this stuff, uh, however we get it, whether it's um, seeing the trailers and getting excited about it and going to the movies and seeing it there, or uh, you, you get that, that lore that's getting handed down all the time about, oh, yeah, this one is unbelievable. You know, and you sometimes find out later that there's less to it or you're not as frightened as the hype would maybe uh, have you believe you would be. That's what that's what Eugenius learned, having watched a lot of horror movies lately, is that they're not as scary as she always feared they would be. <laughs> right. Like, but she, she was not a fan of horror movies because they were too scary. But she hadn't really watched maybe a handful of horror movies. So, so this podcast has been life-changing for her, hasn't it? It has. <laughs> I've definitely seen movies which are definitely not horror, but they're much scarier than... I mean, it's not a nice, enjoyable scare. Oh, yeah. But, mm. but we're more extreme than... You know, maybe Texas Chainsaw is like just generally does it to me every time. But yeah. You know, I'm thinking of some of the more extreme war movies. And, Mob mentality stuff really uh, freaks me out. Yeah, yeah. And um, some film noir. Mm-hmm. Like there's a scene, see, that scene in T-Men and, and there's another one in Border Incident where you have mm-hmm. like a, a fellow who's unable to help his friend and the friend's dying a horrible death in front of him. Yes. Oh, that's rough stuff. Um, yeah, but, and there's this Russian war movie called Come and See. And the last part of that is just terrifying. Yeah. I thought I was going to lose it. It it was really, really frightening stuff. But, uh, yeah. So definitely movies which are more frightening than horror movies out there. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, you could probably do a documentary about uh, young gang members and have some stuff that's much more frightening than any slasher you could think of. Uh, you know, like if you if you get a like a little eight or nine year old started into gang life and has no appreciation for human life and has a gun and doesn't care about you. And there's lots of these little monsters out there. I mean, that's pretty terrifying. And then again, mob mentality stuff where there is no individual responsibility. Like when you've got a whole gang of people out, you know, or a whole group of people out doing something. Voting for Republicans. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> and then, uh, the boogeyman from back in the day, the communists, they come sneaking back in. Was that, was that Fritz Lang one? Uh, is it the crowd or something? It's, I think it's Spencer Tracy. It's like a, a, there's this mob in it. I don't know this uh, one. I don't know that one. Oh. What's more terrifying? Fr- uh, Fritz Lang's always good with mobs. Yeah. The Frankenstein monster or the mob with the, oh, definitely the, mob. the rakes and torches that are yeah. chasing him. Yeah. yeah. They scare the shit out of me. That monster yeah. is okay. Right. Give him a smoke. <laughs> Give him some wine. Smell good. Yeah, wine mm-hmm. good. He likes music. Yeah, yeah. I could hang with him. <laughs> he does. <laughs> yeah, just you know, just remember to wear flotation devices. Yeah, yeah. If you're out picking flowers with right. him, <laughs> wear some buoyant clothing. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, but any movie about uh, groups that will do awful things to. To people, I mean, I, I, that's just awful. Uh, one of my early, um, there's this uh, Ray Bradbury story called The Crowd. Have you read that one? Mm, I possibly feel, feel like I have. So, there's this guy who's who's seen accidents and he's started to pick up that you see kind of familiar faces and people come from nowhere and there's suddenly a crowd, yeah, and uh, uh, he kind of suggests that they're deciding whether this person lives or dies. Hmm. They can do various things to to save or, or really mess it up before these services get there. Oh. And uh, it's a pretty freaky yeah. story. Uh, pretty scary. And it just it does patch into that fear of the mob. Oh, yeah. I have the to find that one. Monsters yeah. Are Due on Maple Street is a great example of the awful stuff a mob can do. They're 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 all individuals, <laughs> except for that one guy. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. Do you think we covered it pretty well? Yeah. So this so, brings so us into the what else do they say? Forbidden oh, Planet. Um, there you go. Yeah, that it's, list. Uh, pie. Yeah. Have you ever seen that one? Yeah. Train spotting. What's scary in that? The the baby hallucination. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I guess really just the. Just the despair of drug addiction might be kind of scary too. But uh, yeah, I would say um, a good way to wrap that part up before we go into Forbidden Planet is uh, one of the most famous quotes from H.P. Lovecraft is, the oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear. And the oldest and strongest kind of fear is the fear of the unknown. And uh, mm-hmm. that's that's a lot of it right yep. there. Good one, Howie. So, Will, you've seen Forbidden Planet a number of times. Yes. How'd you see it first? Do you remember? Uh, I think I ran it in high school. You jumped right in, didn't you? Yeah. It's one of those that I'd wanted to see for a long time. But for whatever reason, wasn't on video at the time. That's weird, huh? Yeah. At least my video store didn't have it. 
So I ran it in high school, and I've seen it a couple times since. Yeah, I can't. It's a pretty good one. I can't remember if they ever licensed this for television or not. I, I feel like it's something that should have popped up all the time, and I don't remember seeing it on TV. It's on the TV in Halloween. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I always think it's the thing, but or the th- oh, the thing's in there. It it is okay. I forget which way around it is, but Halloween two has one of them, and Halloween has the other. I want to say but John Carpenter definitely loves Forbidden Planet. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. If you watch like the documentaries and stuff on the disc, oh yeah, he's in there. Yeah, they use Night of the Living Dead in Halloween two. I know that. Okay. The woman's making the sandwich and it's on in the background. Right, right, but, right. But back at the babysitting house. Yeah, uh, so I think it must be Forbidden Planet. You can hear the music. Yeah. And then you get a clip of the uh, the footprints appearing in the right. sand as the id monster goes to the spacecraft. And they use the Invisible Man special effects, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that was the, the way to do it. Who is it? John Alton? Yeah. Yeah, but, but yeah, like... Fall, you know, this raised platform with footprints falling away from. Yeah, yeah they pull a little drawer out. Yeah, yeah, and just let it drop. Yeah, and then you get this remarkable casting later, which I thought was you know, pretty highly detailed for, mm. a guy, for a guy with a bucket of plaster. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he worked on that. that was, uh... Yeah, there's a picture in this book. Um, so Julian, how did you come across this first? Um, I think it was, you know, perfect timing, little kid and BBC two had science fiction double bills. Uh, so each week there'd be a science fiction classics and the selection was, so I was about five or six, uh, forbidden planet day that stood still incredible shrinking man. This Island Earth. It was just, wow, that's perfect. Yeah, all the good ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so about ten weeks of that, and that. So it was just, I was just hooked. Oh man, Forbidden that's Planet great. is still one of my top ten movies of of any kind. Yeah, this is my favorite science fiction one. Was it weird later on when you saw Leslie Nielsen in com- in comedic roles? Uh, I was so used to seeing him in other roles that I thought, oh, he's doing this great job you know he's playing it straight and he's he's really funny yeah so i'd seen him in you know colombo and a whole bunch of tv movies and things okay. so i was used to him as a straight actor yeah. yeah um so you know i thought he did a great job playing comedy absolutely uh, but it wasn't the first way i saw him and i didn't see airplane until years after it came out i think it was at the film society they showed it but um yeah he was, he's really young in this. This is like his second movie, I think. Yeah, he's he's just like the dashing male lead. Yeah, yeah. He's he's the guy. Yeah, basically this this is a crew out of a, you know any Navy movie of the day. Right. Yeah. Just with you know nice jumpsuits instead of mm-hmm. Navy uniforms. Yeah, and you see these suits for decades to come, don't you? Like all through the sixties, you see them. Yeah. Props oh, yeah. and costumes reused and. TV and so on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is probably uh, my top three movies ever. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, just love it. Yeah. I finally 
bought a, a DVD of it because I was uh, I was thinking, what are some movies that I absolutely wouldn't want to lose them if uh, if the pulse happens and <laughs> all digital files get wiped out? What mm-hmm. do I need tangible copies of? You can't play a DVD. Well, sure you. <laughs> Unless you have a tube-driven DVD player. No, I'm just talking about digital files getting wiped out. I'm not talking about all electronics getting killed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, if that happens... I would love to see this properly on the big screen. That would be nice. Yes. Like if the Alamo shows it, I'll be there. No. Um, I tried to see it when the Denver Film Society was based at the uh, Tivoli downtown. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like one of the worst theatrical experiences I've ever had. Mm. One of the worst experiences I've ever had. It was just infuriating. What, what, what did they do to it? They introduced it, like this guy came on, and he's like, this is an old, cheesy SF movie. Oh, wow. So did you punch him? No, I thought, once he goes away, I'm going to see Food and Plan on the big screen, and it's going to be great. Then it comes up, and it's obviously not, it's just a video print or something. It's it's cropped. It's really jumpy, poor quality. Mm. I thought, oh, God. Then the audience was like, snarky and just like laughing at all the things they yeah you know, uh you know you know it's a 50 something year old film mm-hmm. uh the special effects are dated and we can notice that they are dated yeah, yeah. no shit why be smug about it yeah you know what you know people should feel lucky that people strived uh, for the special effects they got back then, because they, uh, they held up. But I mean, I can't think of. I mean, it's not going to happen anymore. It's just not going to happen anymore. That you get a film which is that well made, it's going to be the standard mm-hmm. uh, for a good fifteen years until two thousand one. I was mm-hmm. just about to say two thousand one itself is the exception, right? I mean, you got the numerous Douglas Trumbull movies, but until Star Wars. Oh yeah, there's still nothing like 2001. So Forbidden Planet that held up that held up much longer than any. I mean, nowadays, um, you know, I feel any given blockbuster science fiction epic is going to be outdone the next year. Oh yeah, at at the latest. Oh yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, we're, we're talking about something that was state of the art for a long time. Oh yeah, you know, you look at. Um, and I was, I was looking at uh, the matte painting backgrounds on a lot mm. of this stuff and thinking they're still around. Yeah, and and these they look great and there's a charm to them, in, even uh, though you know they're not real. I think they're in a, Gucci or someone they did a photo shoot with them this year. Mm-hmm. Really? You know, they're still around in good nick. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, you know, it's like this warehouse in. Los Angeles probably mm-hmm. they have all these massive backdrops that they pull out for photo shoots and things. Wow! And the the one for Altair Four is still there. That'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Playing dog. Yeah, the, the listeners need to know that uh, we brought yeah, the Chihuahua into I was the so studio. Upset about that, and uh, uh, I went. I didn't say anything. Didn't didn't go nuts, but um, I went to the box office and said, "Look, this is a this is like a really shoddy crop print. Is there any chance I could get a voucher for another movie?" And they said, 
sure, what do you want to see? And then they were showing, <laughs> uh, they were going to show the original Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, yeah, come back, come to the box office and we'll give you a free ticket. <laughs> so when that came on, went to the box office and, of course, n- everyone denied having heard of me. Yeah. How are you going to get that okay. in writing? Bunch of film lovers. Um, yeah, I went in and the same thing happened. Everyone was snarky about the special uh. effects and stuff like that. It's like, oh, God. Yeah, people need context, I think. You know, it's... Uh... Well, even even so, uh, I mean, there's definitely stuff you can spot. Uh, you know, oh, that was fake. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, great. They didn't um, have a big monster? Yeah, imagine. Um, but there's, there's stuff in it. It's just so beautifully done. I doubt that they noticed they was how it was done. Yeah. So like uh when when the um uh space cruiser comes out from the distance. Oh yeah. Uh that's three different models. Yeah. I mean, I don't anyone notice that. Yeah. And it's just this smooth transition of this thing coming out of space. Just amazing. It does it looks amazing. Yeah, the opening titles look great. Yeah. Um I mean, if you look at just when they get inside um, um, Morbius, Dr. Morbius' mm-hmm. home. Um, oh, I love that home. Yeah. yeah. Uh, out of, you know, it, so, sometimes you see a home in a movie and you're like, I want to live there. Right. That's number one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like these big lucite globes and all this mm. crazy stuff that's just perfect. And, and it's like, that's great right there. And then uh, when they go underground and you see the power plant and, and your eyes are fooled into thinking it goes on for miles, mm. you know, I'm, lo- I'm looking at it on a really nice, really big television on mm. DVD and it looks striking. Yeah. I mean, the guys who did the special effects in Star Wars mm-hmm. love Forbidden Planet. Yeah. And the, the, those caverns in the Death Star are done exactly the same way. Right. Mm-hmm. Miniatures, bit of set for the actors to walk on rest is matte painting right yeah it's good old-fashioned stuff and it works it does it fools your eye and and that's what you want and and again this this one um is due a lot of respect this movie Mm -hmm. uh if you were to i would say mess with this in any way uh i would say the the character of the of the cook is a little silly yeah uh you could definitely update the characters yeah um, some of the other characters say some chauvinistic things. Sure. Sure. There could have been more women in the world. Maybe crew members but who are I, women. <laughs> I think that works in it, it uh, for the story because I know mean, Holliman, he plays that exact character and, you know, and you watch him in yeah. movies where he's in, like, in the standard Navy. It's, I, mean, I, I just like that guy. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't mind. I was, I was thinking about it because uh, you have this, this crew and they, they're all male, all white. Mm-hmm. But... They've been out in space on this tour for a long, long time. And, uh, and then they end up in this world where there's this one beautiful, virginal girl there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that, that sets off a whole bunch of, you know, lust from their direction. Yeah. Which kind of works for what else is going on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so this movie... Um, and, and to sort of just chime in and say, I don't remember when I first saw it. I want to say I was a kid um, and saw it on television, but I don't remember it frequently being on television. Um, I'm pretty sure that's where I saw it. But 
uh, I think I most deliberately saw it um, probably in my late teens or early 20s. I probably got a hold of it somehow on a cassette, you know, VHS cassette. Uh, I don't know, but um, it just feels like it's always been there. You know, for some reason. It, well, it, it's uh, you can see so many things that influence. You know, clearly Star Trek. Yeah. Clearly Star oh, Wars. Yeah. yeah. Like, and again, we had uh, we had the robot poster out earlier. I've got a uh, a 1978 Starlog magazine um, poster of Robbie the robot and all of his different uh, incarnations, including Columbo. He was he made an yeah. appearance on Columbo. Uh, yeah, he's in tons. He's in uh, Lost in Space, The Thin Man. Yeah, they had the B9. Uh, uh, Why did they need Robbie to show up? Pink lady. <laughs> uh, yeah, I and mean, it still turns out. Yeah. It's funny, you show someone a picture of uh, the B9 and they'll call him Robbie the Robot half the time. From Lost in Space? Yeah. yeah same designer. Yeah, so yeah. maybe that's why, but a lot of people mistake the B9 as Robbie. Mm -hmm. But uh, Will, how much did you say that it cost to make Robbie? I don't know, I thought it was $120,000. Yeah. Like in 1954 or whenever they started working on him, which is probably like 60 million dollars in today's money. We could look it up. Yeah, we could. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah, we could look that up. Yeah. Well, the, the the overall budget was two million at the time. Or yeah. When it's estimated, it was like almost two million, because it was budgeted at one million. But then things would happen, like the the set designer, he'd mm -hmm. just start building these huge sets for a basement his vision and then they uh and they eventually found out what he was doing but and they had to finish them off oh man or, or scrap them <laughs> so that's why he got his like huge house sets and the 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 entire interior working interior of the space cruiser some of that was old munchkin land stuff <laughs> for the house and the outside Oh really? Was oh the cladding? Yeah, yeah. It's like the same technicians who worked on Wizard of Oz mm -hmm. were working on this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. But I think I like about the crew being uh, like this bunch of jocks. I mean, I like them. Yeah. But um, the the this is like quite radical because you have this first thing you see is this saucer, and it comes to this planet. And you think, what's going on? Because the movies hadn't been out that far before for one thing no i mean i don't think you've seen any movie that gone past mars mm -mm. and this is an entirely different solar and system and it's all set on a different planet yeah yeah and then the saucer arrives and that's the humans yeah and they're a bunch of yahoos who disturb the peace of this guy in his beautiful house yeah and uh you know they're the invaders all of a sudden and it's like it really puts you in a different position yeah, and the weird music. That that is my. I'm gonna go on. I'm sorry. Go ahead. This is my favorite science fiction soundtrack of all time. I think that it's the best science fiction soundtrack yeah. of all time because, yeah, uh, and for one thing, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. But mostly, it is a work of science fiction in itself. They, the, this is before synthesizers. There were things like. Was the Clavitron around this time? Probably. I, don't know. I think it was. I know they had the uh, theremin. Theremin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. was around. But basically, the, there was there was no such thing as like a <clears throat> electronic a that music. could produce everything yeah. you need, like you you can do now. But um, so they they had to invent everything for every sound. Yeah. Every sound you hear is purpose built oscillators, 
collapsing circuits. Sometimes this, it took them eight months just to build up the sound library. Oh wow! To make the soundtrack. Um, sometimes the sounds of collapsing circuits are, are way below what humans can hear. So they'd have to record them as loud as they could, then record that, and then record that, and, and keep boosting up until we had time. some audible, interesting noise. Wow. Yeah, it was just, and it it still gets quoted, you know, and you you, you know, you you hear it sampled on Aphex Twin and. Yeah. You know, any any leading electronic people the last couple of decades Uh, familiar with this soundtrack. Breaking Bad used a bit of the the monster's footsteps, I guess, in a recent episode. Yeah, like you so hear the, still the soundtrack the sound used effects. as as space noises or monster noises through the seventies. Mm-hmm. You can still hear it way out there. Baby uh, and Louis Baron. And this thing was way ahead of its time in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Um, people who were buying the same price ticket they always bought at the theater and sat down and watched this Amazing. must have been blown. The, Mind's blown because it's like they were watching spaceships that had like a you know the flame of a lighter or a sparkler coming out the right, end or right, some yeah. you know crap like that or things yeah. that you could clearly see were fake and then yeah, you this... see this and it looks real right right never been done yeah and the and the saturation of the color is just magnificent mm-hmm. I mean it looks so good um, yeah yeah very colorful um, anything in the movie that you can spot as fake doesn't take away from the movie somehow because mm-hmm. everything else that you can't spot is so good. Yeah. Um, so there was something they did with the split screen to get the, the deer and the tiger to run by. Can you tell, do you know more about that? Yeah. There's like uh, some composite, uh, um, but, uh, and sometimes I'm, yeah, I, I think they, they used composite work for getting the, the tiger and okay. her in the same yeah. shot. But, uh, yeah, if you slow it down, you can see the split there. The tiger mm-hmm. loses a leg oh, okay. for a split second. Yeah. Okay. And his face turns from the side forward at a kind of funny angle because of the film okay. work there. But it's... It would have gone by in a split second. It's so the, quick. Yeah, yeah, you have to really yeah. slow it down. Yeah, which you wouldn't have been able to do when you paid your dime and went in and... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's one of the supernatural elements in it, um, because uh, like uh, if you watch some of the uh, the the rough cut footage, mm-hmm. the, like the working print footage, there's there's more dialogue about the unicorn legend and how a virgin can tame wild animals. Hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, so they're obviously talking about yeah. Altera and. And there's a whole ship full of guys here to put an end to that. Yeah, yeah. He he, he actually <laughs> says he doesn't say, "Oh, I'm going to deflower her, boys." He, but he, he, he you see, uh, you see I, Nielsen talking with the doctor. I think he says, "I'm going to give her the old in out, in out." <laughs> yeah, something like that, <laughs> or something like that. Pumping his fist and everything. But, yeah, um, yeah. There's a bit where they're walking back to the ship, and and he's he's saying uh, they're discussing the unicorn legend, and and. Um, how she's got this magical effect, and and the doctors theorizing about how how um, you know how if our brains are putting out electronic signals, um, maybe this can affect the brains of animals on a quantum level, and 
Uh, and then and the captain's saying, well, that's not going to last forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I made a note in here at the beginning of the movie where I went, these are really well-structured jumpsuits. And then uh, later down the page I have, I wonder if these are boner-proof jumpsuits. <laughs> because like one after another, like three of these guys are like, yeah, you should try this kissing thing with me. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, the... You know, I mean, we should probably stick to like the horror aspects. Well, it. yeah, let's talk a little about what what is horrifying about this. And and uh, one thing that you do get before you get the actual literal monster um, is you get this understanding that there is an immense power mm-hmm. that is greater than uh, a thousand times of what Earth could ever dream of. You know, this this goes this goes literally deep. In, into this planet and it is capable of so much uh, that these guys are just like, well, that's out of control. You know, they understand that it's massive and uh, that the level of intellect was many millions of times greater than what man could, could achieve. So with that being said, you're playing with fire like you, like you can't understand when you're messing around with this technology. And I, mm-hmm. I think that aspect of it is pretty scary. Yeah. Like, like, it, there's like a Freudian terror. There's the nuclear terror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've, you've got this possibility of just, you know, ruining your brain by sticking this yeah. smartening device on your head it's for too long. <laughs> kind of Lovecraftian terror of witnessing forces beyond your knowledge. Yeah. Being destroyed by it. Yep. Um, stuff coming out for your from your id <laughs> yeah yeah it's an id monster I, I have you seen some of the, like the uh the early designs for the monster no oh, they're freaky i mean they're, they're really lovecraftian Ooh, i have to uh yeah you, you should check them out there's, there's one where it's like uh this kind of grotesque morbius head on legs on these two legs oh. so it's kind of like what you see in the movie but imagine like a really distorted monstrous morbius head Ooh, I like that. <laughs> it's freaky. Yeah. yeah, it was just too scary. Like, yeah, they, they came out with some really wild Lovecraftian designs, and and uh, but it's just beyond what they could do with technology. Like, or oh, can we do this stop motion or a yeah. physical thing? And they decided that just just making it a physical thing would work against the story the story yeah and audiences were much much more easily frightened in the 50s than they would be even you know 10 years later uh, 20 years later so like in the 60s when you saw psycho when you see the uh, the taxidermied mother uh, mm. that really like freaked people out like four years later yeah yeah, four years later, it's strangely filmed in black and white. Um, well, not strangely, but you know what I mean. It's, um, But it's like, uh, you know, to just reveal that in a movie would completely freak people out and make them lose sleep. You know, like yeah. they, that, would, that would wreck them for that point forward. <laughs> and to think about that, you know, in terms of you're showing people things they hadn't seen before. And but, but, but on... I, you you say you saw this movie like when you were in your late teens the first time? Probably um, preteen or mid teens. I don't know. Yeah. It was it it popped up eventually, but it. Um, I feel like there were other sci fi movies that uh, 
that you saw all the time, and then this one for some reason you didn't see as much. Maybe it was right. a licensing thing to. But did you see it pretty young? No, I didn't. This was one of those that I'd seen the others, like this island Earth and. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the day the Earth stood still, all of those a lot younger than when I saw this one. For whatever reason, this one wasn't. Maybe okay. MGM was being stingy with it. I remember being yeah. a kid and the scene where you have the there's like something invisible mm-hmm. coming along and the, the adults can't see it. It goes right past them. It goes up the stairs. Yeah. And the stairs bend. Mm-hmm. And, and then you hear a man screaming. It's just, what? Yeah. This is just playing into something primal here. This is really scary stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that was pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah, I could easily see <laughs> audiences then or, or, you know, kids decades later being completely freaked out by yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wish I could pinpoint when I first saw it, but I feel like MGM was being stingy with it. Yeah, because everything else, and I remember seeing Robbie the Robot and a lot of other things, but and knowing he was from the Forbidden Planet. But... uh other than stills, I don't think I saw it until I was a teen. Hmm. Yeah, it had to be some licensing issue, Yeah, I think. So, um, yeah, the horror elements are, are definitely, uh, f- you know, fear of the unknown. And then this id mm-hmm. creation, this monster is uh, able to get past their barriers and go not just undetected by stealth, but by invisibility. Yeah. And and then and then, you just can't stop it. it it'll take whatever power it can, it, you know, all the power it needs to right. deal with it. Yeah, it's got a it's yeah. got a super generator, that is technologically yeah. light years beyond what these guys ever imagined before, mm-hmm. and it's powering up. And you see all the lights coming on. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty crazy. So the only way to deal with all of this is to blow the whole planet up. Sure. So these guys are from America, they do say, right? Or do they just say they're from Earth? They're from Earth, but yeah. Yeah, there's like a, a global federation yeah. by this time. Yeah, based in America, clearly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, we don't understand well, this. Uh, we need to blow yeah, it that's up. When, you know, uh, you know, America is the figurehead of, you know, where progress was. and Right. Yeah. Uh, he was still highly regarded as, you know, a leader in the world. and mm-hmm. um, Thank God that's over. <laughs> yeah. That's we, off our shoulders. Yeah. We, we burned that down real good, didn't we? <laughs> sit back and become Spain. So a good companion piece to this would be Idiocracy. <laughs> if you yeah. haven't seen it, see it. But I'm, you know, I'm definitely, you'd have to like the, the idea of uh, science having reached a stage where you have something that can destroy everybody right uh at the press of a button and uh, that'd be very scary and familiar at the time mm-hmm. um glad that's gone away too yeah yeah but uh yeah so they they destroy all like just like the end of godzilla they get rid of the whole darn super weapon yeah uh, so um do you see any potential okay um, Morbius invents, well, he creates a lot of stuff that didn't previously exist by having, by having created Robbie the robot and then having Robbie the robot 
basically poop out whatever he needs. Oh, you yeah. need some big sheets of lead? Here you go. <laughs> Couldn't he use the food cycle, you know, situation to make himself a new wife? Is there no way he could do that? I don't know. It didn't seem like he could make living things. Maybe that's the issue. You know, he yeah. can make pints of whiskey, but... <laughs> right down to the label. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, huh? <laughs> I like how there was just like this nest of whiskey pints. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty cool. It's like, yeah. Any production notes that you've been able to find on like where they got all that whiskey? <laughs> where they got all the whiskey? <laughs> I'm assuming they just got a bunch of empty bottles and filled them with tea. Yeah. I think that's kind of a movie thing. Yeah. Otherwise, the actors would all be just oh, yeah, right. falling down drunk. Yeah, when I've been on set, it's just been apple juice for champagne. And... Yeah. Yeah, which can which can really cause other problems other than drunkenness if you drink too much apple juice. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, we weren't even allowed to touch it because that causes continuity problems. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, somebody was uh, telling me about um, how they get uh, food that's steaming to keep steaming for the sake of continuity is they soak a bunch of uh, cut up tampons in water and then microwave them <laughs> oh. and, and they give off steam for like, you know, 20, 30 minutes, mm. clean new ones. I remember re- reading about like uh, advertising photography in the seventies and, and uh, most of the ice cream you saw was actually potato because it wouldn't melt. Right. Yeah. yeah it's either Crisco or potatoes. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, and then uh, a lot of the uh, photos that you would see on cereal boxes, you know, you were seeing Elmer's glue and not milk. Mm. Yeah. Man. Sounds good, doesn't it? Thick. Yeah, a lot of the soup they would photograph had just a whole bunch of marbles in the bottom of the bowl to just elevate all of the, the, Uh. the veggies and chicken and whatnot in the soup. Not like we ever digress on this show, right? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, so we've got uh, music ahead of its time and high level of excellence. We've got special effects, matte paintings. Um, you know, the the story itself wasn't your commonplace story. No, isn't it? It, it was pretty. Ideas. Yeah, pretty remarkable. Good new ideas. Um, I mean, you can yeah, you can see it as a version of the Tempest. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and there's you know and there's actual science fiction ideas. It's not just a space opera. Yeah. And you've got ray guns and saucers and robots and stuff. But sure. It's uh, there's adult themes in this. Yeah. So I like that they were more impressed by the robot than faster than light travel. <laughs> yeah. Whereas you'd think one would be much more complicated than mm-hmm. the other. But Robbie was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he can make booze. Right. That's true. Yeah, he's just so lovable. Yeah. I think this is the first robot where it became a star in his own right. And, you know, they made other movies around him. Or, yeah. Or one, anyway. The yeah. Invisible Kid. Or invisible whatever. Boy, yeah. Invisible Boy. Columbo. Columbo. <laughs> Let's see what else. I have to see the one he in a couple twilight zones yeah yeah he was in lost in space yeah, yeah it mentions twilight yeah. zone on this when he's on pink lady he does a disco dance let's see arc two i don't know that one 
Uh, um, Space Academy. Thin Man. Mm, yeah, Twilight Zone, Twilight Zone. Yeah, two different versions for Twilight Zone. One where it looks like they just shaved his head of all antennae. But yeah. Yeah, lot, lots of mileage out of there. And uh, yeah, the... the the website I looked up did say it was over $100,000 to make him. And, and he has this kind of butler persona, and he can speak several dozen languages. Yeah. And so. the laws of robotics are in place. Oh, yeah. So he's, he's you know, he's, you've got the Asimov stuff feeding in there, and, and C-3PO is definitely there. When did mm-hmm. Asimov write those rules? I'm not sure. So that would be in the 50s, wouldn't it? Yeah, it had to be. Yeah. But the, Robbie, he... I mean, they must have. They must have been in place by that time because he sticks to the three laws of robotics pretty explicitly. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not like uh, they they fumble around with it. It's pretty. Yeah, well, they, they demonstrate yeah. all three laws. Here, take this gun. Shoot this guy. Yeah, shoot yourself. Yeah. So, does this qualify as a horror movie? No. No. Okay. What's it missing? Because uh, we've got a monster. It's yeah. it's ripping dudes apart, making them scream as they die horrible death is that just overshadowed by the science elements of it is that why we could not call this a horror movie uh well i think that the the first draft of it would be more of a horror movie where it was just them going to i think it was mercury or yeah or venus so they just go there and then there's this invisible monster and it kills a bunch of people and they kill it and then they go home yeah um that you know it's a straightforward monster movie but this one, there's much more to it. There's more ideas going into it that you can run with. And the emphasis is emphasis is not on the fear. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's a, a, a good way to just sort of decide it right there. Yeah, the fear is definitely a like the B plot to mm-hmm. everything else going on. And even the complete dis- destruction of the planet at the end uh, doesn't even qualify it as horror. <laughs> It's, it's what cool technology to be able to blow up a whole planet mm-hmm. god i wonder if we'll ever come up with something like that yeah cool well do you guys feel like we've covered it pretty well i mean I obviously this movie deserves well. oh yeah i could go on its own it, podcast but, but in terms of it being a like a horror not horror right movie yeah yeah well, but I, th- I think you you definitely um zoomed right in on why it's not and, and that's good because I've never thought of it as a horror movie, but then I started thinking about horror, not horror, and, and, and wanting to talk about Forbidden Planet. I thought, well, it does have a monster in it? It's, it's, it's pretty got, horrific. Yeah, you can read. You, if you remade this and like stripped out various things, you, you, um, you could make a really Lovecraftian version. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can make you know straight up monster movie. Uh, might be interesting to have a crew which is like really mixed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, group um, so I, you know I, there's room for a remake it just has to be done with the utmost respect and excellence it can't be done with yeah, like it's got to be a big movie yeah. can you imagine if they tried to make this as I don't know as shocking as it was originally yeah. <laughs> right. well, they really worked at it and had mm. some soundtrack we'd never heard before and yeah. visuals that just like blew your mind right i mean yeah could it be done i, I don't know because like i can't think of a movie this big and glossy with a soundtrack that weird yeah 
you'd have to go really extreme. I mean, this is beyond like I'm square pusher or I can't think of anyone who'd be that weird now. Yeah. That you haven't heard before. I mean, at, at the time, you you would have I mean, unless I mean, they they'd done a few like art movies and things in the forties. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no one would have heard that that noise. Yeah. At this time, but um, I I don't see how you could do something that that, that weird now. I mean, yeah. maybe uh, if if somebody came along who was more interesting sounding, like when Radiohead first came along, and it's like no one else sounded like that. It was more interesting than other stuff. It wasn't like they were making sounds no one made, but it, it just, it, for, I can't even put my finger on why it was different, but it was different. Hmm. You know, maybe something like that, where it's like, who's who's somebody you haven't heard of that's really different, you know? Maybe that would be one way to do that, but not do that exactly the same way. Because what could we hear that we've never heard before? Yeah, that's just kind of... I mean, you can't imagine. <laughs> I don't think how you can imagine something like that. I mean, you can't imagine what you can't imagine. I expect when the Barons were working on it, they didn't, they weren't quite clear on what was going to come out after they'd, yeah, made these various clusters of wires and oscillators. And, you know, yeah. How can you possibly? No, you you just had to work with the the weird just stuff you stumble see upon. What happens? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it's it's a high recommend. I don't think I I really need to uh, ask whether you recommend it. <laughs> so what are your top three movies? Uh, oh, number one would be Seven Samurai. Okay. Yeah. Uh, two King Kong. Three Thin Planet. Yeah. After that, I get a little more vague. It could be mixed and matched uh, after that. Yeah. So after that, I mean, top tens would be Dawn of the Dead. Uh, um, stood still. There's got to be some Val Luton in there somewhere. I don't know. Maybe he's number 12 with something. Um, yeah, people. Solaris, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely uh, a favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. And whenever I get a chance to tell somebody, you won't believe how good this looks and how cool it is. And, you know, if, if, if you want to snicker at it and, and be all smug about it, then... You're just a horrible person. Yeah, please don't sit in earshot of me. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Just don't tell Jolene about it. <laughs> you keep that shit to yourself. Yeah. So, Will, you recommend it? No. Okay. Okay. No recommend. That's fine. <laughs> Stay away from it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Um, Till next time. Yeah. Whatever we're doing, we have no idea. We'll come up with something good. We're getting close to episode 100, and we got to come up with maybe uh, either a clip show or something, some really cool retrospective thing, or uh, or something that'll just blow everybody's minds. We want you to imagine what you can't imagine, and that's going to be episode 100. Yeah, that's only it'll change podcasts. Yeah, we're going to start doing uh, a My Little Pony podcast. One of us won't survive that episode. Right. And there's no telling which one. In a world. Everything will change. (laughs) One man. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Thank you for listening. Stay off the moors.